Thank you, Dan, and choir and instrumentalist and soloist for beautiful music today. We begin a sermon series in the Mithian Gospel, so turn to Matthew chapter 3. We begin in chapter 3 of Matthew's Gospel. You notice that Paul Rassavong prayed his prayer in his first language. It is a reminder to us, if you do not know, that today on First Baptist Campus, the gospel will be preached in six different languages. That's every Sunday. And maybe you're aware of that, maybe you're not aware of that. And, and Paul's language represents Laotian, one of those languages amongst the six in which we will be preaching the gospel today at 12th and Tyler because... Indeed, the gospel is good news for all people everywhere, and so uh, we're we're thankful for Paul's leadership. In Matthew chapter 3, we have the story of the baptism of Jesus. I've only ever pastored two different congregations. I've been here uh, starting my 25th year, and so, of course, I haven't been very many places. My other church that I pastored before I came here, the baptistry was not a traditional setting baptistry behind the choir. It was sort of a, a split-face rock pool over here on the side, uh, kind of right above, hanging right here in the air, kind of right out in the, in the congregation. And one particular Sunday, I was scheduled that Sunday morning to baptize a guy he was about 6'5", somewhere between 275 and 300 pounds, and he had rededicated his life to Christ, and he wanted to be baptized, and I agreed to, to baptize him. He felt like it was important, and it would mean something to him, and as we were making our way down the stairs into the baptismal pool, I, we paused for a moment to the right timing, and I asked him if he had any questions or any concerns, and he said, and I quote, I only hope that this baptism goes better than my last baptism, <laughs> close quote. Well, trying to allay his theological fears, I said, well, what do you mean by that? He said, well, now, Pastor, remember, 6'5", 300 pounds, he said, when I was a, a teenager, I nearly drowned in a lake accident, and I have been terrified of water ever since. And the first time I was baptized, it took two men to do it, and I nearly drowned both of them. <laughs> well, that was a fine time to give me that information. <laughs> As my 170-pound body entered the baptismal waters with his 300-pound body, I realized I was supposed to take him down and bring him up despite the fact that he nearly drowned as a teenager and he, well, he was like baptizing a cat. He wasn't going to go down very easily. And, and really, you're not very heavy in water. It's not hard. It's technique and experience. And I wasn't even worried until he, he told me something like that. And so, well, you could see it in his eyes. He started getting kind of wild looking, and the organ was already playing, and, and baptis baptism was listed on the order of service, and there wasn't any turning back. And I thought, Lord, help me. Here we go. Well, I'm happy to say that I did baptize him. And the whole front two rows right there in the sanctuary. <laughs> so we counted 12 baptisms that day <laughs> because uh, he stirred up enough water to baptize us all. But he went down and he came up. And, well, if you can get them down, they'll come up. I realize that. And, uh, <laughs> and so we got him down. 
Well, baptism is an odd thing, isn't it? If you aren't used to seeing baptism, it is kind of odd. I told you, I think just a few months ago, but if you weren't here, it, it bears repeating that the first time you see a baptism, our middle daughter Jordan was four years of age. I think it was uh, a young musician's concert that night, a Sunday night. So we thought she might enjoy seeing the kids sing. And so even though she wasn't the five years of age that we normally bring children in the sanctuary, we still had nursery care for her that Sunday night. We brought her in and she sat down and she was watching and uh, she watched the service and I baptized three little boys. And well, we were leaving together and Jordan and I always would go to the car out this west exit. We were holding hands as we always did. And she asked the question, what were you doing up there? Now imagine you've never seen a baptism. And all of a sudden you're sitting in church and your dad walks out in water. You didn't know there was a swimming pool back there. And all of a sudden he takes one little boy and dunks him down and yanks him up. And then another little boy and I dunked him down and yanked him up. What was going on, daddy? What were you doing to those boys? She asked. Well, it was confusing to her and it was a puzzle to her. It is a puzzling thing. And, and maybe baptism is a puzzle to you too. I remember my own baptism. I was young. I was in elementary school. I, we baptized people anywhere from age 6 to 80. It doesn't matter as long as they understand that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. I was on the younger end of that equation, and I remember I had to sort of swim out to the preacher, and he baptized me and kind of pushed me back, and I, I swam back. And I remember my brother was baptized that same night, and I shall never forget it. It's a good thing, a good thing to remember your baptism. Our story today is an odd story about baptism. It's an odd story because it is Jesus who is baptized. It is Jesus who enters the baptismal waters. Jesus baptized. Why on earth would he be baptized? Turn back to chapter 3 and verse 6. And they were being baptized by John in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. Well, if baptism represents the washing away of our sins, our spiritual cleansing, what is a person like Jesus doing in the river being baptized? Why would Jesus be baptized, we might ask? Well, Matthew's gospel, interestingly enough, begins with baptism. And it also, interestingly enough, ends with baptism. Turn to the end of Matthew's gospel. Turn to Matthew uh, 28. And I, I want you to see how baptism sort of bookends this gospel in which we begin our study. All the way to Matthew 28. Let's go to verse 18. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go. 
make disciples. The last words of our Lord, he begins the book by Jesus being baptized. He ends the book by Jesus saying, now like I was baptized, you go, you lead people in discipleship, and you baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This bookend of baptism, Jesus being baptized, and then that Trinitarian formula, you go, you make disciples, you baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Reminds me of the preacher, you know, you do have those moments when your mind leaves you, and he got in the baptistry, and he couldn't remember the Trinitarian formula when he was baptizing somebody, and so he just said what he could fill in with, and he said, I baptize you in the name of the mother, the brother, and all the others, and hoped that that was uh, good enough because he couldn't remember the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why is Jesus being baptized? Why is it he's standing on the bank and watching the sinners as they're baptized? Why isn't he the one doing the baptizing? Isn't baptism for those who've messed up? For those of us, myself included, who need a second chance? For those who have waded out so deep into trouble that going across and going back is all the same? Let the people who have drifted far from their mother's prayers be baptized. Those who have walked a, a long way from their father's instructions, let them be baptized. The people whose lives are nothing but a tangled mess of bad relationships, who've messed up everything in their life with ambition and greed, who think they're going somewhere when actually they're just circling the parking lot and going nowhere, let them come into the Jordan River. The people who are rich in things and poor in soul, let them come. But the Messiah, why does the Messiah need to be baptized. Well, look at chapter 3, verse 1. Now in those days, what does Matthew mean by now in those days? It means the days of the Messiah. He's just told us about the birth of that Bethlehem baby. He's just told us about the visitation of the king's in those days, the days when they were longing for the Messiah and the Messiah had arrived. Look at verse 2. John preaches, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We learn in verse 5 that Jerusalem went out and Judea went out and they came as sinners confessing their sins and they were baptized. Now, if you and I have some objections to the Messiah being immersed, you need to know we're not the first to think this seems odd. In fact, John said the same thing in verse 11. Look over at verse 11. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. He's saying, I'm not even, I'm not even worthy to to untie his sandals. I'm not unworthy to do the job of a servant. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, with judgment. Why, he's, he's holier than I. Look at verse 14. John tried to prevent Jesus from being baptized and said, I need you to baptize me. And you have come to me. 
John right then and there says, time out. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to put your shoes on and off, Rabbi. I, I would have you baptize me. Why are you looking for me to baptize you? Time out. And Jesus says something to him like this, a literal translation of verse 15. He says, leave it alone, John. Leave it alone. I need to be baptized. Is it appropriate for us to do God's will? Let's do it. Why is it God's will for Jesus to be baptized? For the sinless Son of God to be plunged beneath the waters of repentance. Jesus had no sin. The author of Hebrews tells us, in fact, that it's Jesus who forgives sins, who pronounces judgment on sins, who demanded repentance of sins. Why is Jesus being baptized? Well, his baptism left the one baptizing him puzzled, and it leaves us puzzled. I want to give you some reasons. First of all, Jesus was baptized because it constituted a clear assent to John's authority. Jesus is baptized because in being baptized, let me say it another way, Jesus is saying to all of ancient Israel, I'm with John. I endorse John. I endorse the man. I endorse his ministry. I identify with John as the forerunner of the Messiah. He's carrying the legitimate message of God, the clarion call for God's people to come into the river and be baptized and made ready for my arrival. You see, for John, baptism was preparation for a new exodus of God's people. He goes out into the wilderness, we're told, there to be led through this new exodus by a new Moses, the Messiah. And the baptism represents for John a new passage through the Red Sea, whereby Israel is cleansed from her sins and made ready for the arrival of the long-awaited liberator, the Messiah, the Holy One. Yes, Jesus is saying, first of all, John's the right guy with the right message I'm with John, I'll be baptized as well. There's a second reason Jesus is baptized, because in doing so, he demonstrates his solidarity with humanity. In doing so, Jesus says, I'm with them. In one fell swoop, by plunging underneath that river waters, Jesus condemns the self-righteous as he already has in this passage. The Sadducees and the Pharisees who showed up and were sure they didn't need to be baptized. Jesus right then and there takes his stand with the sinners and the publicans who look for the day of the Lord. In fact, the author of Hebrews tells us that Jesus had to be like his brothers in every respect. He stooped down to be one with the people that he was to minister to and to die for. In his proper place, Jesus might as well have been up there in the front doing the baptizing or, or standing on the, on the bank calling the sinners to get into the river, but instead he was right down there with me, a sinner, and with you, a sinner, the one who came to die and put our sins on his back, identified with us right there at that moment. In fact, you might put it this way, the road to Calvary began going through the Jordan River. The road to Calvary, taking on our sins, began 
right there in the Jordan River. If Jesus was to come at all, he comes as one of us. If Jesus was to come at all, he comes as one of us. He identifies with those of us who've lost our way. And by his actions, he proclaims that he is for the sinners and with the sinners and will take their sin and be baptized. There seems to be sometimes a reluctance to be baptized. Biblical baptism includes two elements. One, the person being baptized knows what they're doing. Whether they're 6 or 60 or 90, that they know that Jesus Christ has died for their sins. He's Lord of their life, and they want to show and proclaim His Lordship over their life through the obedience of baptism. So first of all, for biblical baptism, the person needs to understand what they're doing. And secondly, for biblical baptism, it is an immersion. The Greek word baptizo means to immerse. It is to say, we'll talk about this in just a moment, that we die with Christ and we rise with Christ. It is the image of burial and resurrection. Sometimes there's a reluctance to biblical baptism, and, and some of that, I'm afraid, is seated in our own sense of pride. And then I look at a passage like this, and I wonder, how could anyone be too proud to be baptized when the sinless Son of God entered the waters and said, I'll be baptized. I'll do the will of God. I'll be obedient to what God asked of me. Jesus took care of pride, didn't he? While the Pharisees and the Sadducees stood on the bank and said, that's not for me, Jesus says, let me into the river. I will be baptized. This gospel begins with Jesus himself being baptized and ends with Jesus saying, be obedient, be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here's a, a third reason Jesus is baptized. It foreshadows prophetically his death, burial, and resurrection. It foreshadows prophetically his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Baptism is the image of having our sins washed away. That's true. But it is even greater the image of participation. It is saying that when Jesus died, I died with him. I'm burying you in that water. And when Jesus arose, one day I will rise with him. It is saying, my story is his story. You see the image? I die with Christ and I rise with Christ. And prophetically, when Jesus is baptized, he is saying, I will go into the grave and I will emerge or death will not be able to keep me. Paul explains it this way in Romans 6. Or do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, and that Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so that we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we will also in the likeness of his resurrection. We, you see the image? Immersion baptism, I die. I'm buried with Christ, and one day I rise with Christ. Jesus in his baptism foreshadows the fact that he will die, he will be buried, and he will experience resurrection. 
And when we're baptized, we say, I'm with him. I die with him and I rise with him. There's a fourth reason Jesus is baptized, and that is to submit himself to the will of the Father, to submit himself to the will of the Father. One day, Jesus folded up that carpenter's apron. He had shaken the shavings from it, put it on the bench, left the shop, walked in, said farewell to his mother, his brothers, and his sisters. He walked his way across the fields of grain, down through the dark valley in the, the gap of Jezreel. He presented himself right there that day to John for baptism and began his ministry because this is the will of God. Why? Look what he says in verse 15 of chapter 3. When John says, hey, I don't want to baptize you, Jesus. You don't need this, Jesus. You need to baptize me, Jesus. Jesus says, leave it alone, John. It is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. We must be I must be baptized. You and I must do this, that we will fulfill all righteousness. R righteousness is conduct in accordance with God's will. A good definition of righteousness is conduct in accordance to God's will. That is doing what pleases God. Verse 16, after being baptized, Jesus went up immediately from the water. Behold, the heavens opened up, the Spirit of God descending as a dove and coming upon him. Behold, a voice out of heaven saying, This is my beloved Son. In him I am well pleased. This is my Son from Psalm, the second song. It is a coronation song. When the prince becomes the king, this is my Son, the voice from heaven says. And then Isaiah 42, the voice says, in him I am well pleased. A prophetic passage, Isaiah 42, about the suffering servant, about the suffering servant who dies as a sacrifice for his people. You see, baptism in scriptures, it is a powerful symbol. It says that we have new parents, we have a new father, God, that we have new siblings, the church, that they are brothers and sisters. We've entered this community and we have a new inheritance. We have freedom from our sin and death and we have a new inheritance and in that we have community and, and we have love. In fact, what bothered the empire of Romans, Rome so much was that baptism was a symbol that there was an allegiance that was stronger than the familial, stronger than the biological, that we are closer to each other than Christ than we are by blood. And there's an image that is stronger than commitment to the state, that our, our, our greatest citizenship is in another kingdom, another state where we share with all people who call Jesus Lord from every tongue. Baptism is a strange event, but Jesus himself is baptized. It is a, a symbol that shows our allegiance to the person of God and the people of God. Our allegiance to the person of God and the people of God. What about you this morning? Have you been baptized biblically, meaning you did it when you were old enough to know that Jesus had died for your sins and that you understood what you were doing? 
And was it by immersion saying, I participate with him, I'm buried with him, and I rise with him? The book begins with Jesus being baptized, and it ends with Jesus saying, I want you to be baptized. A pastor remembers ministering to a small town. The town's population was 450 people. In that town, there was a Methodist church, a Baptist church, a Nazarene church, and a Christian church. Each had its share of the population on any given Sunday, but the best attendance in town on Sunday morning was not at any of these churches, but it was a little cafe where all the men drove up in their pickup trucks, and while their wives and their children went to one of those various congregations, the men met there, and they talked about what farmers and ranchers talk about, the weather and cattle and wheat bugs and hail and wind and weather and whether or not there was going to be a crop that year. Oh, once in a while, one of the men would sort of be shamed by his wife and kids, and he would have to leave the men's group at the cafe on Sunday morning and actually start going to one of the churches. But, well, most of all, the men stood strong, and they kept going to the cafe on Sunday and left church to the women and the children. Oh, they weren't bad men. They were hardworking men. They were family men. They were, by community standards, good men, but... They did their thing at the cafe instead of at church. Their patron saint was a guy by the name of Frank. Frank was 77 years old when the preacher met him. He was a good man, a strong man, a pioneer, a rancher, a farmer, a cattleman. He had been born in a sod house, but he had prospered. He had his credentials, and all the men at the cafe thought he was their patron saint of the cafe gathering of men on Sunday morning. Ha-ha, they said to each other, they'll never get old Frank down at the church. They'll never get old Frank. He'll never go to church. One day, the preacher met Frank on the street. He knew Frank, knew who he was as a preacher, and while it had never been this preacher's custom to accost people in the name of Jesus. So he just shook hands with Frank and started talking to him. And all of a sudden, Frank started it. The preacher did. And he said, preacher, I work hard. I take care of my family. I mind my own business. And as far as I'm concerned, the rest of that stuff is all fluff. You hear me? Basically, he was saying, the preacher, you leave me alone. You got it? You're new in town. And I've been here a long, long time. So the preacher didn't, didn't bother Frank anymore. And that's, that's why he was so surprised. Indeed, the whole church was surprised. The whole town was surprised. The men at the cafe gathering were bumfuzzled when Frank, 77 years of age, that same year, presented himself, walked down the aisle on a Sunday morning and said he wanted to be baptized. Frank, the patron saint of the cafe gathering, wanted to join the church and be baptized. Why, he must be having heart trouble, somebody said, you know. No one thought Frank would ever do that. A man gets scared enough, you know, he'll do some things he wouldn't ordinarily do. So maybe Frank's got heart trouble. Blockage, I heard, I don't know. All the talk of the community. Well, the next day after the baptism, the preacher said to Frank, Frank, do you remember telling me that you took care of your family and you minded your own business and you wanted me to leave you, leave you alone? Yeah, I remember I said that a lot to preachers through the years. Do you still say that? Yes, I still say that, Frank. I, I still take care of my family. Well, then what's the difference? Frank said, I didn't know what my business really was. Then I discovered my business is to be 
like Jesus. So right there that Sunday morning, the preacher baptized Frank. Took him right down in the Baptist waters and held up his hand and said, as Frank wore the robe, Frank, upon your confession of faith and obedience to his command, I baptize you, my brother in Christ, in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, buried with him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. Do you have the courage to follow Jesus into the Jordan? And if Jesus felt like he needed to be baptized, how on earth could any of us ever think, that's not for me? Let us pray. What a powerful picture the perfect Son of God entering the baptismal waters so it could take on my sin on Calvary, our sin on Calvary. Went down in the water just like the rest who were actually sinners, the sinless Son of God, to say to the Father, you sent me to be with them, to die with them and to lead them to rise. We began the road to Calvary on this day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.